0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, everyone, it's Friday, and it's a different kind of Friday, not because the content is different, but because the speed is different. Oh, yes, most Fridays, I got time coming out of my eyeballs, kind of like the weird boogers that were coming out of my child's eyeballs earlier this week, by the way didn't know that could happen with an ear infection. Now I do. It was gross. Sorry that I just told you that on a podcast. That's not very cool of me. Oh well, we're not editing that out. That's in there. Uh, But today's a different Friday because um, we're not going to be cruising through all these lists. I have so many names. I've got about eight names on the ads board, three drops, Seven holds, something like eight or nine watch list, guys. Five buys, a couple of sells, and then we got a weekend look ahead to zip through. So there is minimal time for tomfoolery. This is tomfoolery free. Yesterday, we didn't have any promo on the show, and today we're actually going to have very little promo also, because today's problem, which is, again, a lack of child care help, is awfully similar, frightfully similar, to yesterday's problem, which was uh different lack of child care help and then also animal wellness issues over here but anyway welcome to the show everyone this is fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation it's your friday edition so you know that means it's weekend review time and i've got a big old list i already put out there on twitter earlier today so some of you have already kind of seen the sneak peek and i think that's kind of what I want to do going forward is give everybody a bit of a sneak peek as to what's going to be coming up on the podcast, and then you're able to use the pod to sort of color inside the lines, as it were. It's actually very similar to what a play-by-play man, good person, sorry, a play-by-play person and a, an analyst do on a broadcast. Play-by-play person gives the quick description, that's basically what the tweet was, and the analyst which now is the podcast, fills in the details as to how we got to where we got. I do want to apologize in advance. I am still uh, dealing with this sort of remainder of this this cold, whatever that is going through my household, which, you know, one kid got the post-viral infection thing going on. Uh, so my voice is a little weak. I am going to be probably sniffing or coughing once or twice during the podcast. Bear with me. You guys know I'm not about to break my Ironman streak. Uh, and uh, and that's the the whole deal on that. Um, I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It is very important that you guys follow me there. If you're listening to the pod, if you're watching videos, however you're taking in this information, I do pretty much whenever I have time a bunch of stuff on social media. It's where things are happening very quickly. You're able to keep up with this stuff. And frankly, as much as I, as I love the podcast and also... This is the most important thing I do, because it's on the podcast where I can take some time to teach folks how to do this stuff themselves, so they, if they miss a show, if they're not piped in on social on any given moment, they can still be okay. Uh, but at the same time, podcast comes out once a day, over the weekend, it doesn't come out at all, uh, so you need another way to stay piped in, and that's on social, again, that's at Dan Bespris. And SportsEthos.com, the website at EthosFantasyBK, the Twitter, that's where you can get your basketball news feed, everything that's going on. As the news breaks, those guys do such an unbelievably strong job. You must be following that feed, EthosFantasyBK, uh, if you want to make sure you're up to date on your fantasy news. And of course, go get a premium subscription. I cannot say enough good things about it. The premium Discord, by itself, is worth the price of admission. If you have any questions on this podcast or anything else that's going on at Sports Ethos, please use our forums. That link is sportsethos.com community. And the NBA room is uh, slash NBA at the end, if you want to go that route as well. So let's dive on in, because again, this is, a, this is a zero tomfoolery day. The ads. We always start with the ads. And I'm going to start with the repeat offenders here on the ads, because I feel like, despite me yelling at you, Some of you haven't done the thing I asked you to do yet. And so, for the fourth time, I will say, add Larry freaking Nance Jr. I don't fully understand the pushback. You know, I understand to some degree that on a points format, he's less valuable because his 65% shooting from the field and his, you know, basically league average foul shooting for a big man, better than average for a big man, but league average for the NBA, doesn't work quite as much in your favor and he's a lower turnover guy he tends to be between one and one and a half turnovers in you know starter level minutes which is good but uh first of all he's number 62 on the season now Larry Nance is number 62 in nine cat on the entire season that's including the beginning of the year where you know he basically didn't play and it also includes that very weird stretch we've talked about ad nauseum here on the show where the Pelicans played like 7 out of 8 blowouts. And so he saw, what, 19, 20, 21 minutes in those ball games. If you start the clock on Nance, basically, I guess what would effectively be after the most recent blowout, and that's not fair because they had another one earlier this week, but after, like, at the end of that span where it was all blowouts, which the last one will be a 15-point win over Denver, where Nance played just 20 minutes. Since then, they've had four out of five games competitive. And in those games, he's played 29, 24, 34, 29, or 23, and then 29 minutes in those ball ballgames. Uh, there was a little bit of overtime in there, so that helps the numbers a tad. But if you're just going based on basically that last week and a half, Nance is a top 35 fantasy play. And it's not super surprising because actually over the last week, if you're just going at the last four, which does include some overtime stuff, he's a second rounder on 12 points, eight boards, three and a half assists, 3.6 combined defensive stats, 64% from the field and 83% at the free throw line with very few turnovers. He's a positive in every category except scoring and threes, but who cares about threes? He's a center. That's not going to keep up. Obviously, he's not going to be a second rounder. I'm not an idiot. I'm just someone who likes Larry Dance Jr. a lot. All that to say, please don't make me put him on this list a fifth time. I beg of you. We're going to stay in New Orleans and put Herb Jones back on the ads list. And this one, I'm a little bit... So I was in between an ad and a st- and putting him in the streamer pile which we're going to the streams are going to go out on social media because there's simply too many names to do and explain here on the show. I mean, I guess I could do a lightning round version of it. I almost put Herb in the streams. We're calling them opportunity plays these days. I I almost put him in the opportunity play bucket because it does feel like a lot of his success and he got into foul trouble yesterday. We would have played more. But it does seem like he needs one of the big guys to be out kind of like the same way I feel about Trey Murphy. I feel like one of the big usage guides needs to be down for those dudes to get to do enough on offense to then just put the, the cherry on top. Because we know Herb has his awesome defense and Trey Murphy actually pretty good defensively and a decent rebounder and he hits some threes. like They, they both do some good stuff, but they also need to be involved. And when Ingram's out, They have an opportunity to be involved. So Herb is like hovering in between an ad and a stream. It's an ad. It's a possible streamer with benefits. An SWB. I talked about that on uh, Josh's show yesterday. We did a mailbag over on Locked On. Uh, He's a streamer and he might turn out to have value after that. I know I said I was going to go in order of guys that have been repeat offenders, but I'm actually just going in whatever order I wrote them down. For the second week in a row, Walker Kessler is on the board. He has been terrific. He moved into the starting lineup, and it may have had something to do with Larry Markin and being out, but his minutes have stayed up. Overtime, once again, helping to a certain degree, but not a terrible foul shooter for a big man. Pretty much only shoots dunks, if you want to say shooting at all, so he's actually shooting like 80% over the last two weeks. And he's blocking about a shot every eight minutes. That would basically be, you know, one of the best block rates in the NBA. It is one of the best block rates in the NBA right now. So this is a guy that's at least in the short term and and teams will adjust, but he is currently a player that is, uh, has the possibility to win you a category right now. So there really shouldn't be any question on this one. And I frankly don't think that there is. So let's keep going. Uh, Malik Monk, we'll put him back on the ads board. He's another guy that's kind of hovering in between a traditional ad and a schedule streamer kind of play. Every time I think he's got the consistency thing locked in, the consistency thing peters out. Over the last two weeks, he's number 192. But over the last two or three ball games, he's more like a top 100 play. The problem with Monk, of course, is that things fluctuate heavily based on his field goal percent. Because when... Say, like De'Aaron Fox is healthy and Kevin Herter healthy, he doesn't have playmaking responsibilities. So, you kind of need that little extra bit there. And, you know, honestly, while I'm even talking about it, I'm going to take Monk out of the ads bucket and I'm going to put him in the schedule stream zone, which isn't even something we're talking about on this show. So, wipe him off. I'm going to leave it in there because you got to see me thinking it through. Uh, but he just has too many holes in his fantasy game. The turnover's are too high, defensive stats are too low, field goal percent's been too low, not many assists lately after a, a week or two where they were a little bit better. Uh, so he's, he's kind of fallen back on mostly scoring, and by itself that hasn't been enough. Nick Batum, who, you know, coming off a bad ball game yesterday, so that makes this argument a little bit of a harder one to have. But I also feel like the Clippers kind of rode in yesterday's game as a scheduled loss back-to-back against the Suns. Paul George dealing with knee soreness. Kawhi is on injury management. Norman Powell still got his groin stuff going on. They gave Zubats the day off with a knee bone bruise. I mean, the Clippers, I think they sat six or seven guys. So unless they had a really like legitimate chance to win the ballgame, I don't think they were going to run Batum into the ground. So I, I believe that's why his minutes were lower on Thursday after they were like in the 30s for about four consecutive ballgames. Now, if Thursday's game scared you, gave you the heebie-jeebies a little bit, then I wouldn't actually be that offended if you watched one more Clippers game that's not on a back-to-back to to see if Batum goes back to his 30 minutes. And if he does, then you play him anytime the Clippers don't have a back-to-back and maybe you rest him in those spots. But overall, he's been good enough. And I think... He's an ad now until we see an obvious reason for him not to be. Jalen Duren, I don't do I even need to talk this one through. Uh, he's a second time name on this list. He much like Walker Kessler, he's someone that as soon as he got his, inserted into the starting five, we said, okay, well, like this is a way that. Now with Kessler, he's back on the bench, but his minutes have been good enough, and his per minute production is so ridiculously high that it actually doesn't matter as much. With Duren. We need the 27-28 minutes. And that was always the thing with him. Where we were watching him get 22-23-24 off the bench. But it wasn't enough. And it was like 25 every once in a while. He'd squeeze an extra minute or two out. and He'd be nuzzling up against fantasy value. But as a starter. He's going to play the first 7 minutes of a ball game. He's going to play the first 7 minutes of the 3rd quarter. So there's 14 minutes pretty much locked in. And then... You know Marvin Bagley got hurt, so that makes this an, a much easier proposition. But even when Bagley was healthy, the largest number of minutes that I think they'd ever play Bagley in a row would be a dozen. So when you're a starter and you're Jalen Duran, your worst case scenario was 24 minutes. Instead of being more like the upper threshold, now that was the bottom. So 24 was a bad day. 28-29 was a good day. His average number of minutes played jumped from about 22 to about 26 Now, again, 26, close. Not necessarily locked in value for him. But with Bagley out, that number probably moves into the high 20s, and it becomes a much easier play to make. He is uh, a pretty obvious add. And then, you know, I put this name on Twitter in the ads bucket, but he actually deserves kind of his own category, and that's the Time Lord, Robert Williams, because he's due to make his return from uh, his knee surgery tonight, Friday evening. And, you know, obviously he's an ad if he's on the waiver wire, which he isn't. He's uh, 84% rostered. We've had you know plenty of news about him over the last two weeks about him getting closer. So he went from like 60 to 70. Now he's in the 80s. So you're not really going to be able to add him. And it's why when I put this note on social media, I added the little footnote on it that said, uh, like, you got to listen to the podcast because there's a weird round reasoning to it. And my actual feelings on Time Lord. Now you guys know I'm a a massive Robert Williams fan. I I yelled about him constantly last year as one of the most underrated fantasy plays in the NBA. I love him. So assume this is one of my guys. I'm talking about right now. I'm not going to draft him this year because he was hurt, and you know you've had to survive two full months of stash. Uh, and there's going to be you know a, another probably two to three weeks of what's basically his preseason. So, you know, you're looking at another 60 to 70% of a month until you're getting like full bore Robert Williams. That's a long time to wait. What I mean is his fantasy game is a Dan Vespers kind of guy. So when I say the following, I want you to know not to take it lightly. Sell Robert Williams. Sell. He will not have this amount of value that he has today going into his return again until after he's at full speed. You could probably get for Robert Williams something right now that's pretty close to what he will be when he's at full speed. Now, you know what that is remains up for some kind of debate. Some folks think he might get back up into the teens like he was last year. Some folks have him as more of a 20s or 30s kind of guy. Consensus is probably like mid to late 30s. I think he actually probably ends up a little bit better than that. But if you could trade him right now and get someone that's in the 30 to 40 range, you do it. Because even though he might get back to that and or beat it at some point this year, you're looking at mid-January, not mid-December, until you're able to see some of that stuff come to fruition. So this is an opportunity to cash in on a guy you've been squatting on at what is unquestionably the hardest time to sell on an injured player. The day they're coming back. You put in all this time, you put in all this work, and now I'm telling you, throw it away? And the answer is yes. Because you can turn what's effectively nothing into something. And you can remove the wait time, the ramp-up time, that is, I don't care what anybody says, it's going to have its bumps. So that's the Robert Williams stuff. Um, we are, what, about 15, 18, some like that, minutes into the, the recorded show. Uh, we're probably going to go about 20 more minutes on the recorded side. Again, we're, we're in a little bit of a speed mode today. My drops this week, two of them I don't think any, need any explanation. Marvin Bagley, who's been uh, pretty bad since moving to the bench. He had a couple of games that were a little bit better, but overall it's been you know crummy two out of every three nights. Sadiq Bey, his minutes not even guaranteed with Bagley getting hurt. So to me, he is also someone that you can kick to the wire. The third name on the drops board, this is the one that I think maybe requires a little bit of an explanation, and that's Harrison Barnes who actually hasn't played all that poorly this year. He's shooting 48% from the field. He's at 83%, like kind of medium volume, free throw shooter, turnovers have been low, 5.3 rebounds isn't bad. But here's the problem. He's taking 8.7 shots a night. Barnes is an efficiency guy. His value is tied up in the ability to positively impact both percentages But you need to get shots to do it. So great, he's got good percentages, but it's not really helping us in any way. You know, 13.7 points, 8.7 shots, it's not enough. You know, he needs to be taking 11, 12 shots a ball game to get near fantasy value because then you could start to kind of lean into those positive impact stuff because he's not going to do with defense, he's not going to do with passing. His rebounds are going to be average at best. And we've kind of seen what the Kings are this year. They have too many options. So it's not a knock on Barnes. He just doesn't have enough to do. Some tough holds. Tough holds. This is actually one of my favorite categories to do. We're out of the tough holds portion of the proceedings now. Um, Mike Conley, who's been uh, very rusty since coming back from his injury, but he'll be fine. He was a mid-80s per-game guy prior to getting hurt. He'll get back to mid-80s. And frankly, the Jazz are markedly better when he's in the lineup like it's a it's an absurd difference level utah suddenly now has won their last two games both of them against what was at the time the west leading pelicans on a back-to-back and it's conley as he settles in he just runs a steadier ship than everybody else he's so important to them it's crazy so he's a hold uh mostly because they they really are quite bad without him. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas is a hold, although it's probably worth noting he's more of a schedule stream level guy this year, probably in that 100 to 125 zone. Uh, he'll have a couple good ones here and there. He'll probably be better actually in blowout wins because he can rack up some stuff at the beginning of the first and third quarters. Uh, but again, like he's not necessary on a game-to-game basis, so it's just not going to get back where it was. Gary Trent Jr. is a hold. He's been a little better lately, still kind of hovering near that hundred range, which is way behind what we were hoping for out of him. Uh, but the opportunity's just been less. His shooting has been off most of the year. It's showing some signs of coming around. So uh, stick with it. Tim Hardway Jr., actually very similar fantasy stat set to Gary Trent Jr. Hardaway uh, chucking a little more than Trent, doesn't get as many steals. That's kind of the difference between the two. They each have very hot games and very cold games. And to that end, um, you know, you could be streaming threes, I think, but like both of these guys to me, profile is inside, inside the top 100 by some small amount. And I find it better to just have those kinds of guys. Markel false is on the holds board. He's coming off a big ball game. So I probably don't need to, to really talk you through this one all that much. Um, He and Cole Anthony kind of trading off good games lately, which does give me a fair amount of pause. Uh, But you got to hold him uh, because we've seen the upside. It's in steals. It's in assists. It's in good percentages. It's there. And we just haven't seen it consistently. And then perhaps the harder holds here, the two hardest ones are Andrew Nemhard, who continues to exist in a purgatory between hold and drop. His quiet game. He has a good game. He has a quiet game. He has a good game. Luckily, his fantasy game is well rounded. So his quiet games, he's still getting you three or four boards, three or four assists, a steal, a three pointer. It's just that the points completely vanish. And the good ones, as we've seen, are quite good. You no, know, even with Halliburton back, he had that big one the other day. That was like eighteen points on great percentages, and it was like four boards and six assists or something like that. Uh, and then the hardest name I think on the holds board is Jaden Ivy who right now makes way more sense in a points format. He's not startable in Roto Games cap, which makes him hard for me to put in this holds bucket. But uh, as of this morning, as of Friday morning, Cade Cunningham did officially have his season-ending surgery. So uh, Ivy's going to get all he can handle. Killian Hayes gets all he can handle there. And you figure, you know, we've kind of seen Killian, a couple of good ones mixed in with the bad ones. We haven't really seen Jaden Ivy with some big ones lately because he had some good ones early. Then rookies, they go through these stretches where it's tougher for them and he'll come out the other end, just like they all do. Watch list. These are fun ones. Actually. I like the watch list. This is a fun board. Tyree Eason is on the watch list. Anybody that's been listening to this show a long time knows that I've said it. I'll just repeat it verbatim. He has a very good fantasy game. Very good fantasy profile. He's, you know, 130-140 range in 19-20 minutes a ball game. So obviously, if he got to 24 minutes a game, he'd be a fantasy play. But until Eric Gordon gets out of the way, I don't think those 24 minutes are coming. Oh, well. Najee Marshall. Um, Now, this may be tied to the Brandon Ingram stuff as well, but he's been sort of reliably good the last, like, four or five ball games. I don't know what it is about Marshall that stops me from making the ad... But he's on my watch list, and that's where he's going to camp out for now. Cole Anthony is on my watch list, and you're like, Dan, how can you have Markel Fultz as a hold and and Cole Anthony as a watch list guy? Honestly, guys, I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, guys, I don't know. That's just where I'm at with it. I, I don't trust Cole's stats quite as much. He needs lots of usage to hit value. Uh, because the percentages are generally not going to be as strong as, say, faults. Although for Cole, he's probably going to hit you a few more three-pointers. I don't know, man. I, I I think there's a very real chance that neither one of those guys hangs on rest of season. But, you know, whatever. That's where we're at for now. Uh, before I get to the next name on the watch list, I want to remind everybody listening to, once again, please do follow me on Twitter, at Dan Basper. I news breaking. That's what's hitting me in the head, because I, I want to... Like, I want to put some res- responses to it on social media. Um, and that's where you'll see some of my responses to a couple of guys that it sounds like are probably going to play tomorrow on Saturday, like a Bradley Beal, Kristaps Porzingis, Jakob Pertle. That's a, out of nowhere. Uh, so a lot of really interesting stuff breaking on Twitter right now. At Dan Bespris over there. Please, please, please go do find me on social so we can discuss these breaking pieces of news all right back to the watch list um i put alec burks on the watch list and this almost feels like the the dude playing the video game that wants 100 percent completion on it um but in burks's defense he's number 144 in 21 minutes a game on the year he's His minutes aren't really bouncing around very much, but if they ever moved up to, like, 24, he would probably be a playable fantasy asset, if only because when he's out there, he is chucking like crazy. This is, like, the least bashful iteration of Alec Burks this land has ever known. He had 27 points in 26 minutes in the last ballgame. He was just out there firing But he's on the watch list. He hasn't done enough to get above that fray yet. Mason Plumlee is on my watch list. It looks like he might be at the front end of one of those little, like, one and a half week heaters he goes on, where he has, like, a top 90, 10 day stretch before falling all the way back down to the 180 range where he's been the rest of the year. Emmanuel Quickley is on the watch list, and he probably will be for the next half decade. But, I mean, how can you take him off? He's so good, and his fantasy game is so sweet, but Tibbs ain't playing him. Not unless RJ Barrett fouls out, I guess. Alex Caruso is on the watch list. We spent some time on Caruso earlier this week on the pod, talking through how there's a chance he could actually hit 12-team value on just steals alone. But it's a hard add to make. Bones is on my watch list mostly because, you know, the watch list is mostly guys that are, like, streamer level, true streamer level, like the 120-range kind of guys. We're like, look, this guy's got three games in four nights. Throw him in there. And KCP is the last name on that board as well. I don't actually trust these guys to do stuff every single ball game, but if you can get them lined up on the right sequence of days, that's how they actually make sense for your fantasy team. Some buys and sells. Uh, the biggest buy on the board right now is Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, uh, he had a good first you know, one or two games back. But he's super rusty, and he's playing through his preseason right now. So the really bad ones are going to be extraordinarily bad. But he's still Chris Middleton, and he's going to be fine, and he's going to be the same old Chris Middleton. So if you can get him for like, I mean, I don't know what you could get him for, 60 range right now? Kyle Lowry? Spencer Dinwiddie? D'Angelo Russell? Anybody in there might get it done? Uh... Trey Murphy. If somebody's big into Trey. I don't know if any of those names actually make it happen. Middleton's name has a little bit more girth to it. Zach Levine is seventy-two. Although I do still think there's a chance his field goal percent comes around. Possible offers here for Middleton. Chris Paul is a buy low. Nobody trusts him at all. Even after a good ball game yesterday, still nobody trusts him. Why y'all hate my guy Chris Paul? He's at 37.5% shooting. That's going to come up by 10% probably the rest of the way. He's a monster. Chris Paul's going to be a top 30 guy the rest of this season. I feel almost 100% confident in that. So go get him. And we ran a bunch of polls on it, so it's not that hard to get. 50 range guys are getting it done. Brandon Ingram was getting it done. Jeremy Grant was getting it done in some spots. John Collins was getting it done in some spots. Not all of them, but some. I put Bull Bull on the buy board because I do think there's a lot of panic selling going on, although some of that probably tapered off after his last ball game was a better one. Prior to that, earlier in the week, there was a chance you could get Bull for like a 75 range guy because everybody saw a few bad games and assumed that meant the rest of the year was going to be terrible. So it's a lot about, you know, the buy and the sell stuff is a lot about reacting to what the community sees and feels. Right now, the community feels... Like Chris Middleton has taken a dump on their fantasy team, so that's why he's a buy. I threw Scotty Barnes in there as well, almost because I, I just kind of like missed putting him on there for a few weeks, but he's been terrible. And even though I don't think he takes a big step forward this year, he should get at least most of the way back to where he was last season, at the very least. A couple of cell board guys on the, uh, on the the docket here: Jalen McDaniel's. I put him on there, but then as soon as I did it, I was like, eh, nobody buy buying on Jalen McDaniels. <laughs> so forget it. You know, let's, let's go somewhere else. You're not going to get anything for him. And then I thought, maybe you could get like a Jared Vanderbilt, who's not a super sexy name, but he does at least have rest of season appeal in a way that Jalen McDaniels probably doesn't, given Gordon Hayward is on his way back. By the way, you should probably add Gordon Hayward. I'm not that excited about it, but... You should probably do it. And then Killian Hayes is my other cell name, which this one might surprise some people, but I do want to spend, you know, like two or three minutes talking about why I would put his name on this board. I put Killian Hayes' name on the board because right at this moment, we got the news that Cade is done for the year. So Hayes, who I think we all basically considered was going to be a rest of season play because it didn't seem like Cade was coming back, now suddenly is locked in. I think it feels like Killian has been crushing it, right? If you think back about his ballgames, he had a couple of good ones mixed in there. There's a lot of talk about how he's blossoming here in this new role. But over the last month, in starters minutes, 29 minutes of ballgame, he's right around the edge of the top 90. Because his field goal percent is pretty low. His free throw percent isn't very good. I'm expecting his turnovers might even go a little bit higher. The other stuff is okay. You know, 1.2 steals, 7 assists is nice. Doesn't hit that many threes. Every once in a while I'll have a game where he hits five, and then he'll go two or three days where he hits one in a row. There's this is the power of the assist category, and it's why Markel Fultz is still continuing to get held on teams. And it's why Killian Hayes, everybody's like, all right, well, he's, you know, he has arrived. If you can sell Killian Hayes for, in my estimation, someone around 80. I think I would probably do it because I just don't see him going much higher than what he's doing right now there you know this he's he's got the role and he's had the role here for whatever it is a month already and we've seen it more than that even so who's floating around in that range that maybe you could try to attack uh with Achille and Hayes um Marcus Smart is number ninety. I'd rather have him over Hayes. Uh, I don't think you're going to get Franz Wagner at 92, but he's down there as well. Klay Thompson at 96, if someone doesn't want to have to deal with the back-to-backs. Josh Hart at 82 is someone I'd much rather have. Trey Jones at 84 is someone I'd rather have because he's similar stats at, but a better free-throw shooter. So, you know, that's why he's a sell. It's not because I don't think he's going to do top 90 stuff the rest of the way. It's just because I think there's this feeling... You go on, buy, sell stuff is a lot about the feeling in the community. The feeling right now is that Killian is exploding and he's like a top 50 play and he's, you know, nothing can stand in his way. But even when things are going well for him, you know, the good weeks are like 60 and the bad weeks are like 140. Now, because of the way names get bunched, that averages out to around 90, not the actual midpoint. It's how rankings work in fantasy because they get closer together the farther down the board you go. So, you know, you're talking rest of season here, if it really is 90 range, and if there are people out there that think it could be more like 60 range, you might be able to kind of split that difference, and that's some of those names that we're talking about. I promised you a uh, promo-free episode of the show. Normally, this is where we would go into a bunch of stuff on Manscaped or ExpressVPN or Thrive Fantasy, but instead, I'm just going to remind you each of the promo codes at those locations. We're not going to do the full reads today, because again, I am on a very, very tight schedule. Manscaped.com, the website, promo code Ethos20, gets you 20% off and free shipping. ThriveFantasy.com, that's a props DFS website. Promo code there is just Ethos, no numbers deposit match bonus up to 250 bucks. That's crazy high, actually. It's a lot of free money for them to put in your account. And finally, expressvpn.com slash hoopball is the website. That's a special URL that gets you 15 months of ExpressVPN for the price of 12 Lightning round on the weekend ahead. This is the part of the show that I like to kind of pair up with what we do on Mondays, meaning on Fridays... We look at everything coming up, every game coming over the weekend and what we're actually kind of watching for in that game. And then on Monday, we're able to go back through those games and find out how many things that we were looking for we were able to capitalize on. So let's start with uh, Friday this evening, and we'll, we'll go from there. Atlanta is in Charlotte, the Hawks. This one all comes down to the injury report, but we did get word that Capella is likely to miss one to two weeks with calf tightness. So Anyika Okongwu. Ready to roll. One of the very nice streamers you'll see in our tweet coming later on today. Again, that's at Dan Bespris, just in case you guys forgot. Uh, Anything else on the Atlanta side? Not really. DeAndre Hunter is sort of a semi-watchable guy. Um, He's had enough to do here with DeJounte Murray John Collins both out, but I don't know that I trust him on the games cap side. With Charlotte, you're looking at LaMelo Ball. In the next game back, we still are waiting on Terry Rozier to kind of get things cooking, shooting-wise. There a few games in there where he shot it a little bit better, uh, keeping an eye on Mason Plumlee to see if he's going on one of those little mini runs we were talking about, and then what does Jalen McDaniels do if he doesn't shoot 85% in a ball game? Sacramento, not much. Detroit, lots of stuff. Jalen Duren, what's his deal? Marvin Bagley, if he's out, and then kind of how that impacts Durin and and Isaiah Stewart. We're watching Alec Burks we just talked about, watching Killian Hayes, Jaden Ivey. Detroit, I wouldn't say, is the most exciting fantasy team, but there is a lot to pick through with that club. Indiana at Cleveland. Believe it or not, almost nothing in this ballgame. Just Nemhard. That's the only player you're paying attention to. Orlando at Boston. Mo Wagner, if he's still starting over Mo Bamba. We haven't heard anything about Wendell Carter Jr. coming back in the next game or two, so... Uh, Wagner feels useful. And then the false Cole Anthony stuff that we also already talked about earlier in the program. Boston's a very important one. I'd, I'd love to see what this one looks like. Time Lord making his return. I assume he's going to be on a pretty damn strict minutes cap. So that makes him tough to play on the Roto side. And then Al Horford is expected back from COVID at a personal absence. I believe it was the birth of another child. I might be getting that wrong. Uh, but he should slot back in as the starting power forward. And then with Time Lord on a, a low minutes cap, he'll get quite a few minutes at center as well. Warriors without Steph Curry for a few weeks. That's kind of bury the lead, I guess, on today's show. Steph is out for a few. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo should have a really good opportunity here with no Andrew Wiggins either. When Wiggins comes back, I don't know exactly what we're going to do with the Warriors, but we'll kind of, I think, probably watch a game and then react as opposed to proact on that type of thing. But right now, you know, I don't see a universe where Dante doesn't get a bunch to do at least before Wiggins comes back. Philly, provided uh, Melton is healthy, then uh, nothing really to watch there. Brooklyn, TJ Warren's minutes. I love that they haven't played in a while. I mean, I don't love it because I have Kevin Durant everywhere, but I love that they haven't played in a while because everybody's still kind of forgetting that Warren exists after he came back. And they've been playing him very low minutes because he hasn't played basketball in two years. But if that number starts to tick up to 22, 23, 24, we might want to get out in front of it. Close watch on TJ Warren's minutes count. Toronto, uh, no OG Ananobi here for another couple of ball games, so just that. Young get the start. How much do we do with Chris Boucher? Probably can stream those two guys, but it's iffy. Should be a, a little bit more of a high-scoring game against Brooklyn than the last couple for Toronto, so maybe that helps Knicks. They've been playing some good defense lately. Um, I guess, you know, Quinton Grimes is sort of in this perma watch list. Chicago, we talked about Caruso. You can put Patrick Williams on that board of guys to keep track of with the Bulls as well. Minnesota. uh, I think we have a pretty good feel for what they are with no cat. So nothing more there. Oklahoma City. Jalen Williams is the guy you're watching. Do the minutes really fully get locked in? And does it matter? That's the other thing, and again, I know we're on this tight schedule and I I want to try to get us out of here in the next two or three minutes, but even lately, where the minutes do actually feel pretty safe for Williams, he still hasn't been a fantasy asset. Uh, He's number 131 in 33 minutes per game. I mean, they can't really go up from there, can they? And that's shooting 62% from the field because he just doesn't rebound very much. Scores a little. Not super aggressive taking shots. So I don't, I don't really know where the value is going to come from with him. You know, he makes sense. Uh, they've got a back-to-back, so I guess scheduling-wise, you're in a pretty good spot there. But if you're thinking games cap, I don't, I don't know that that actually works. Portland, nothing. Dallas, just, you know, w- like which Tim Hardaway Jr. are you getting on a given night? Denver, not much. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. practiced lightly. So he's not ready to go yet. I keep thinking guys are going to make their return against the Lakers because that's what always happens. But nope, not the case in that one. Uh, and then the Lakers, you know, kind of nothing there either. Click the clock forward to Saturday. Washington, if Beal is back, that probably blows up Monte Morris and Denny Avdia. And if Porzingis is back, then it definitely blows up Daniel Gafford. They're in L.A. to take on the Clippers, who will likely have at least Kawhi Leonard back. Uh, his thing was being listed as injury management. That wasn't necessarily the case for all of the other guys that were out. I think Zubats was actually hurt, and it sounds like Paul George might actually be a little bit hurt, but hopefully they'll all be back for that ballgame. And if that's the case, then there really aren't any storylines with the Clippers. Miami, they should be mostly healthy for this one, but I am watching Victor Oladipo. He's, he's got my attention. He and T.J. Warren are like these... Aged, injured dudes that... Could they creep into the Roto conversation? Maybe. And then we just got the news that Jakob Purtle is probable for this game on Saturday for the Spurs. So go ahead and just cast Zach Collins and Charles Bassey aside because, yeah, baby, Purtle's back. Probably. That's what probable means, I guess. Uh, Utah, we talked about Utah quite a bit uh, earlier in the program, but, you know, Jordan Clarkson coming off a huge ball game. He got mad that I said he was droppable i still think he's droppable because he's you know top 200 over the last month despite the big ball game uh just killing you in too many categories but regardless he's going to take a ton of shots so he makes sense on the points league side uh alexander walker schedule stream uh walker kessler's a go marketing obviously a go uh conley's a go i know he's been slumping but he's a go beasley is a go while colin sexton is out kelly linux a go I think that's pretty much everybody for Utah. So there isn't a whole lot to track with the Jazz, just a lot that is always kind of actively going on. Milwaukee, not much. I mean, assuming Drew is back, uh, we talked about Dallas and Cleveland already. Memphis, nothing as long as they're healthy. Uh, Houston, again, not really anything as long as they're healthy. But, you know, what if Tari Eason's minutes explode? Whatever. New Orleans, Phoenix. Will this be another competitive ball game? Will we get another competitive game, Larry Nance? I love it. Keep an eye on Trey Murphy. Seems like he's running out of gas a little bit on that Pelican side. And then, you know, what does that mean for Anaji Marshall and or Herb Jones? For Phoenix, Devin Booker was back in the last one, but he wasn't very good. Chris Paul was actually quite a bit better. What does Torrey Craig get to do? Do we bother with Bismack Biambo? Could DeAndre Ayton even be back for this ball game already? And then as far as Sunday goes uh, trying to figure out if any of these teams don't go. (laughs) I think it's most of them. I do this thing. I do the same damn thing every time. Uh, Orlando, Boston, New York, Indiana, Golden State, Toronto, Brooklyn, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, Charlotte, Denver, Washington, LA. Yeah. I think we talked about all these teams. Yep. We're good. Beautiful. And that is your weekend look ahead lightning round. And that is your episode. Of Fantasy NBA today, this Friday weekend review, weekend preview edition. Back around with you again on Monday. We'll do a lightning round. We'll wrap it all together. Please do continue to find me on the Twitters at Dan Vesperus. Hit me up if you want to be a part of our mess over here at Sports Ethos uh or email roster at sportsethos.com. We'd love to have you come aboard. And please, whatever you can do to continue to help spread the word on our site as we continue to grow into other sports and adding more things all along the way that's you know retweets likes shares five-star reviews whatever you guys can do i'm not asking you to spend a cent on any of that stuff uh just keep helping us grow i'm dan Vespers. have a great weekend everybody this is fantasy nba today a sports ethos presentation talk to you guys on monday morning